What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa. And tonight, guys, we have a very, very interesting episode for you guys. A lot of stuff to talk about. It's actually kind of all surrounding one subject. We I hinted at this actually in my last episode with uh, quarterback Zevi Ekos and my co-host Tyler Stringfellow. Uh, I, I, to- I was telling you guys, I wanted to talk about this whole Brian Flores thing, but I wanted it to be just more than a quick little, you know, 10 to 15 minute segment. I wanted to basically dedicate almost an entire episode to talking about just the craziness that has been going on in, you know, across the NFL regarding Flores and all the teams involved over the past couple, uh, over the past couple of days. So I'm really glad to, I'm really glad to discuss all that tonight. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. And with that being said, I wanted to get a guy on who is very passionate about one of those teams uh, that is now being named in this NF in this lawsuit by Flores. Obviously you've seen him on this show before. Uh, he's a great person to have on to discuss this. He is a Miami dolphins fan kind of a local bum. Uh, but without any, without any further ado, please welcome back to the show. Good friend, Sean, how Sean, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I, I'm 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 handling myself pretty well. I'm glad to have you back on. Uh, obviously, uh, you know we're back at school now, kind of doing our thing there. Uh, how, how have you been? How have you been handling yourself? Uh, not too bad. You know, starting to adjust back to the semester and getting used to the workload. Football starting to pick back up, but other than that, just getting used to everything. Yeah, I know you. You were telling me before the show that you're that you were dealing with like some COVID protocol kind of, you know, BS that you were going through. That's that's tough, man. That that, that is tough. NCAA. I mean, they're just looking out for us, but it takes away from you know reps that I could have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's definitely tough. But listen, John, I I as soon as this news with Flores broke, and listen, it kind of broke at it like this news of Flores broke on kind of like the craziest day probably in sports. And it was the day that Tom Brady officially, you know, certified his retirement and not only did that, but completely left the Patriots out of his initial statement. So the media world was already in a frenzy about that. And everyone, everyone's just going, what does this mean? What, what does this mean? Like, is he dissing Belichick? Is he dissing the new England fans? And all of a sudden, like just kind of on the back burner, Brian Flores just kind of, you know, put, you know, kind of just puts, uh, puts his glass down and just says, oh yeah, well, here's, here's my kind of bombshell. And, you know, people really weren't able to react to it until pretty much yesterday to where, you know, the, the whole Brady thing started to settle. People were trying, people eventually were understanding it a little bit more. And now, now everything is on this Flores thing. And you, especially, man, I want to, I want to talk with you about the dolphins. I want to talk with you about the Broncos and the giants and even the league in general. So obviously if you guys have been living under a rock, Brian Flores was the former coach of Sean's favorite team, the Miami dolphins. Uh, he was recently fired this off season due to, uh, I, I believe it was like, a, a, I believe it was either friction with the team or just wasn't willing to comply with some certain things. And, you know, it was, they were basically, ta- they were basically saying they were just, well, they wanted to change direction with the franchise. And Sean, I, I know when that news originally came out, you weren't totally against the move. Uh, could you reiterate your point before everything broke? So I, I wasn't against the move because um, as a team, Miami's history is we're quick. We get two, three years, we got to go. Then we're in a drought for five, six years. When we get two, three years, then we're in a drought again. And I think I, you know, and now with the speculation of a tank, and it kind of proves me right. But at the same time, I don't want that to be true, is that Miami was planning to tank, get that pick, make a run, go. And Brian Flores wasn't, you know, not saying that the tank is the right thing to do, but speculation of that, that Brian Flores was trying to build a franchise. He learned from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick builds teams. And Miami said, no, we want to make a run. And obviously, you know, I was thinking about it today earlier a little bit. There's a different connection between players and a coach and a coach in the front office. And I think that's something we saw a little bit of uh, especially when the players reacted, obviously, and, uh, with Brian being uh, Brian Flores being fired. Now I, you know, again, I wasn't totally against it. I was trying to see it from both sides, but now even with this coming out, now it just kind of solidifies my thought. But at the same time, it makes me not want my thought to be true. Yeah, I, I mean, with the, with them, you know, trying to do this quick thing and do this tank. Uh, allegedly, you know, what's being, you know, taken out by Flores. I mean, he, he came out and, and he said that Stephen Ross, the, the Dolphins owner basically came out, basically came to him. I think it was during his first year there, the 2019 season and, and basically said to him is this is what Flores is alleges. I mean, obviously nothing, you know, we can't say anything just due to the legal matter of it, but Flores alleges that 
uh, Flores alleges that Stephen Ross, the Dolphins owner, or at least primary owner, went and basically said to him, I will pay you $100,000 for every single loss that we have this year. And, and was essentially trying to say that he believed he wanted to keep the team young. He wanted to improve draft position. And he said to Flores, oh, maybe take a vacation, you know, try, don't, don't take this thing so seriously. And Flores was very opposed to this. He ended up saying, that is not what I'm up. That is not what I'm about. I'm about winning and winning only. I, I got to admire that. So for yourself, I know, I, I know the dolphins are kind of on the smaller market in terms of spending usually. So I, and you can understand the idea of, you know, trying to rebuild, but when it comes to the serious allegation of throwing games, which is kind of what Brian Flores is throwing out there. He's basically saying that that Stephen Ross told him to, you know, not try as hard and to basically purposely lose games. Uh, you know, a lot to the, you know, 19 a lot to the, you know, 1900s Black Sox scandal when that when that came out, when they were when they purposely threw the World Series. Uh, you know, as as a fan of a team, how do you feel that that, that you could be that you, you know, possibly witnessed a, a football team that you're a fan of throw a season? You know, the thing is, is like you say, watch the team throw a season. But as I, like I was just saying, I think there's a different connection between players and a coach and a coach in the front office. Yes. And I was just looking through some of the games towards the end of the year, like that yeah. last game between the Patriots and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins came out on top, but they fought that game. So clearly, even if it's, you know, alleged what the front office wanted, it wasn't what the players or the coaches wanted. And there was that agreement between the two that we're going to play and we're going to play to win whether the front office likes that or not. So yeah, and, no, I, I understand that, Sean. But just from the idea that 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 could have been an idea that your ownership and front office was embracing as a fan of a team, like yeah, like what what's your reaction to that? No, I mean, if it's frustrating, it's annoying. I mean, you, nobody wants that. Obviously, I mean, I want my team to win. I'm not here yeah. to watch my team tank, blow a season, blah blah blah. But like, but the reason I was getting to the other point is because it's also like to see that my players are still willing to fight and my coach are still willing to fight. And that they're not just going to bow down to the front office means that like there's still character to the team. So that's like not all hopes lost. That's what I was, the point I was going to get to is like, yeah, it, it makes me go really like, what are we doing? But at the same time, it's like to see the players do what they did. I mean, obviously they, they still won games. Yeah. They, so they still couldn't won. have listened. They couldn't have listened too well if this is true. So, you know, for them to go out and still win games, I, I can't, I'm mad at the front office. But if the players are going to stand up and they're going to go out and win games and the coaches are going to do what they have to do, I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones who put up the scoreboard. No, exactly. And I think that Flores was fighting for this team to, you know, be in a position to win. I don't think Flores, from what I can tell, took any of this money from the way he's making it sound. If he if he had taken money and then, you know, thought it was a bad idea, I don't think he'd be mentioning this right now. So I think, you know, he there's a chance that he potentially left, you know, $1.1 million on the table because they went 5-11 and 11 that year. They lost 11 games. So I don't know it, there's a lot of things going on with that, but I, I was listening to ESPN this, this morning and I heard, I was hearing Stephen a talk and he ended up saying something that I, I kind of have to agree with. And it was that if Steven Ross, if these allegations of Steven Ross, you know, trying to throw games are true, he should not be allowed as an owner in the national football league. I 100% agree. You can't, there's, there's one thing about, about betting on your own team. There's one, there's another thing when it comes to purposely throwing the game. You know, Pete Rose obviously is kept out of the Hall of Fame because the obviously the big thing is that he was told is that that basically he was gambling on baseball. And a lot of people think that he bet on his own team. Pete Rose obviously said that he never bet on his team to lose or and he went kind of on that kind of a diatribe. But people ended up saying, well, if you're not but if you're betting on your team to win one day and not the other, that kind of sends a message as well. So but when you're purposely going out there trying to lose games and you, obviously you, you're a you're a billionaire owner, you have a ton of money and you're doing something like this, I understand the idea of trying to rebuild. I understand the idea of even tanking and not, you know, doing and not, you know, putting the best product out there, maybe sitting some starters on certain days. I'm not the biggest fan of that, but I understand it's a reality. When you're talking about possibly literally throwing a football game, not tanking, which is, you know, you just don't have, you just don't, you know, have the, you don't just don't have the tools in place. You trade veterans off to, you know, acquire a better draft position. That's a different thing from throwing a game. Throwing a game is literally, you know, obviously playing to lose. That is your goal. Tanking is very different from that. So when I see something like that, again, if this comes, tr if this, this proves to be true, which in this whole Flores thing, I think this is probably the most damning part of everything. If this, if this is true, then, you know, Stephen Ross needs to be gone. I a hundred percent agree. I, the game of football is just like any other professional sport. You're trying to win. The goal is to win the champion, you know, whether it's the world series, of baseball, the Super Bowl of football, the world cup of soccer, the goal is to win. 
winning is everything. That's why you have fans. Fans root for you to win. So as a fan, how you know how can I root for a guy who's at the helm and decides that he wants to throw like literally give the coach money to lose games? It's, it, that's hard. That's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But at the same time, if I you know I agree he should be gone if the if it's true. But it's a nice, there is that little comfort zone that I keep referencing right now that at least, you know, the players there now are trying to win and that they're there to win and they were never on board with any of these allegations. And that's an important thing because it just shows that the character of the team itself is got a winning mentality. Granted, we've had a, you know, winning seasons, but haven't made the playoffs, but it shows that the team's there to win. And that yeah, I- if with the right management, we might be on the you know, Sean, I have Sean, I have no animus towards the players of the team. From what I can tell from Flores, it looks like they were trying to win. Obviously, 2019 was kind of a lost season just to, you know, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick gets sent out of town. A lot of things just weren't there 2019. It just wasn't a good, you know, just they, it wasn't a good football team in general on, you know, regardless of the idea that they could have possibly even been throwing games. I don't think they were throwing games. I just think that was a bad football team. And unfortunately, that unfortunately, Brian Flores inherited that bad football team during his first year in Miami. Once he had control, he had back-to-back winning seasons as the as the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Like he was able to make moves down there, and even when Tua even when Tua was getting injured, even when he was rolling with you know certain guys, he was still able to make pretty good moves as the head coach of that team. And it obviously shocked me when everything went wrong. Uh, another big part of the another big part of the story though, which uh, involves Stephen Ross, which I, you were texting me about this was that, uh, you know, following the 2019 season, there was uh Steven Ross basically talks to Flores and before the, and, you know, during the league, you know, before the league tampering period is allowed, uh, basically he ends up saying that, you know, he apparently Ross goes to Flores and basically says, Hey, I want you to reach out to this quarterback, you know, that doesn't name the guy at first and basically says, Hey, we want you to reach out to this guy. You know, we, we think that he'd be a really good shot to improve our team. We like what he could bring to the table. Why don't you reach out to him? And Flores is like, uh, I, I come from New England. I know my I know my way around a controversy and uh, getting caught in the league tampering period probably isn't the best idea. If if you know if you know what I'm saying, I mean, listen, the Pats have had their fair share of draft picks taken. So if you're the Dolphins and you're trying to build something up, the last thing you, the last thing that you need is to have draft compensation taken away from you. So he refuses. And then Stephen Ross basically says he's like, OK, fine. You want to do that? And, you know, I I guess like a couple weeks or so go by according to Flores and Ross invites this dude onto his boat and and he says, Oh yeah, we're going to have like a little lunch on my yacht. As soon as he gets there, as soon as Flores gets there, it turns into basically a secret meeting where, where Ross ends up saying, Oh yeah, this quarterback in question is going to show up. And you ended up saying to me, reports are basically claiming that, you know, the only mystery quarterback that would have been of high notoriety during that tampering period of that 2019 off season is Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady that I mean, I mean, unless unless, you know, Brian Flores was really up in arms about getting Philip Rivers and or Andy Dalton on his roster. You got to guess it was TB12. I, I would think it was TB12, but at the same time, it's like as a Dolphins fan, I don't realistically, I, I don't see that move ever happening. Like Tom Brady wanted to come to Miami, but for an owner to do this, it's just again, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like all this happened in the same year, the whole throwing games now we're onto the offseason he's trying to you know in the tampering period trying to break the rules again like it just makes you wonder how many other rules has this man you know allegedly of course broken yeah we don't know about at the same time though the backroom dealings and things like this like this tampering stuff happens all the time i mean i mean just like for an nba comparison i think i remember kevin durant talking to Kyrie when he was still in the celtics and, and they were and i think there was like a thing where they said it, people thought that they said, oh, we should like team up or something. And there might've been like some hot mic or something like that. And that broke the tampering period and different things like that. Obviously this stuff happens and it, this wouldn't, if this is true, it wouldn't be the first time that you would hear of something like this, but I don't know. Just the fact that again, like you said, this is happening within one season. And I, I, again, I don't know how would have in your mind, how would Tom Brady have really worked out on the dolphins? They obviously didn't have Jalen Waddle at the time. And I think if they had gotten t- Tom Brady last year and uh, during the 2020 season, of course, and then, you know, they probably would have had better playoff odds. And I don't think they would have been in the draft position to take Waddle. So I don't know. How do you think that they would have, how do you think these final, how do you think these two years would have looked with Tom Brady as the quarterback of the Miami dolphins? I, to be honest, I, I don't think it would I don't think it would have worked out much better. I mean, Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and had weapons. He had an offense. What did Miami really have? Like Kasaki. Like, 
like you said, we wouldn't have gotten Waddle. I mean, past that, yeah, sir, we got Devontae Parker, we got Kosicki, but I don't think Tom Brady, as old as he was, would have said that's a smart move. Young O-line, I mean, two was constantly getting hit. So I think from his perspective, Tom Brady wouldn't have been interested. And I would have wanted that because, yeah, we would have had short-term success, but no long-term success. And I'd hope to see somewhat of a long-term thing out of Miami for the first time in my 21 years here. But honestly, it wouldn't have surprised me, though, because you talk about Miami being kind of the short term, the short term thing. So if Miami had just said, all right, we're going to go for it with this 43 year old, hopefully it kind of works out. That that wouldn't be the most shocking thing to me if Miami was to have done that and then just say, all right, we're going to blow it up and just, you know, be at the bottom of the AFC East, which, you know, it's it is what it is. That's kind of what Miami, you know, sometimes does. They'll, they'll try to make a move to really assert themselves. Maybe they even get up to second in the division one year. Now, now not really with Buffalo taking off, but, you know you know, maybe about five, six years ago, that was kind of the reality of it. But I don't know. Now, nowadays, I'm just like, I don't know what my, I don't know what the Dolphins are going to do. I, I it, it does make me wonder. The only thing that would have, you know, made sense for Brady to go there is Brian Flores and just the connection with him. I think that obviously, you know, a lot of guys in the Belichick coaching tree just really haven't worked out as head coaches. Obviously, Josh McDaniels just got hired again with the, with the Las Vegas Raiders, but his first stint with Denver went poorly. Matt Patricia was a dumpster fire in uh in, in Detroit and Bill O'Brien obviously obviously there are chances that he could be coming back to the New England Patriots but there are some conflicting reports with Alabama he was a train wreck with the Texans so it, it, no guy really of the Patriots coaching tree has really been able to work out better than Brian Flores I know a lot of people will, will look at Mike Vrabel Mike Vrabel wasn't a part of the coaching tree he had, he has his own style and you know he it, it works out good I don't consider him part of the Belichick coaching tree Brian Flores is probably the most successful person out of the Belichick coaching tree was able to have back-to-back winning seasons with a Dolphins team that I don't think had, you know, nearly enough talent to produce something like that. They were able to get good wins over the new England Patriots where, you know, especially, especially this year, they got that end of the season win, ended the season on a high note for themselves. And, and, and I was just like, all right, you know, Flores is, you know, it's going to be something you're going to be building slowly, but if they decide to keep two or go for something, that's the guy I want at the helm. And, the fact that he's not there anymore is that that is, you know, obviously the big thing, but I, I don't know. I think Tom Brady would have been interesting. I think so too. And I wonder if it would have turned out similar to the Tampa Bay situation where they brought him in and then a bunch of the guys around the league were willing to come in on these one year minimum exactly. contracts too. Like sure. Those thoughts go through my head, but right now I'm just in the predicament thought of like, where do we go now? Exactly. Where is Miami heading? Cause yeah. now our owners allegedly throwing news. Our head coach is suing our former head coach is suing us. We have no head coach. Where are we going next? What, yeah. what, what are we going to do? Yeah, it makes me wonder because, I mean, if Brady ends up going to if, – if Brady ends up going to the Dolphins, you guys don't draft Tua. You have a number three draft pick at that point, and it's like – or number two draft pick, rather. And you have the chance to possibly move up and make, uh, and make a really good selection there. I'd have to go back and see what receivers could have been on the board at that point, but – you would have had a shot to really make a, a good deal or even trade that pick and get some really good compensation in, in you know in between. If Brady had gone to the Dolphins and had to compete with Josh Allen, the Bills, I think one of the years, I think one of the years the Bills could have bested them just because of how much they're taking off and how much Josh Allen is really looking like he could be the number one, you know, best young QB in the league. I know a lot of people will look at Mahomes, but Josh Allen really, you know, again in these playoffs, put himself on the map. So I a lot of I think I think Josh Allen could have bested him one year, but I think the furthest Brady might have been able to get out of this would have met, would have maybe been the AFC championship. I, I think that's the furthest he might have been able to get just because of how advanced it was. I don't think he would have been able to win a Super Bowl with the Dolphins team that, you know, obviously we saw in 2019 going into 2020. I don't think he would have been able to win with that. Maybe this year in his like in his swan song year, there's a chance that he could have gotten enough right pieces around. But again, you wouldn't have had Waddle. You wouldn't have had certain guys like that. So there's still a lot of questions to ask. No, exactly. I agree. And that's why it's like, I, I don't think even with the team Miami had, he would have made that move just because he knew his time was short. Yeah. And that's why he started doing, was he doing one-year contracts, right? Like every year in Tampa Bay? Uh, it, he signed a two-year $50 million two-year. contract. And then he, he actually signed, I think he's technically signed with Tampa Bay. There was like some opt-outs, but he could have been with Tampa Bay for the next four years. Is He had a contract lined up with them. It, it Nothing was guaranteed. I think he did have one year after this where he was going to make $20 million. They didn't end up doing that deal. So uh, I, I think he has until tomorrow for, he had until tomorrow to see, to retire and make it official because if not Tampa would have had to pay him the $20 million. Now they don't. So they can actually spend that elsewhere. So that is interesting. Well, that's the, that's the only thing is 
he made a move to Tampa hoping he would get one final, you know, hurrah. And yeah. He wouldn't have gotten that in Miami. No shot. I love my team to death, but no shot. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I think, I, I mean, listen, the, the Dolphins, they have a young core and they could be really promising, but I just don't think it would have been the right time. The, the Buccaneers literally had all the pieces in, in, in place. They just needed a quarterback to take them over the hump. And then once you get Brady in there, everyone's going to go want to play with him, especially knowing that this was probably it. So once they knew that, it was like, all right, like, let's get all these guys in there. Uh, I know I was talking with you about about the team throwing games. I know I got on Brady for a second, but there was some other news breaking today uh, around the league and around certain coaches regarding this. Uh, RG three, obviously, you know, obviously isn't playing anymore. He's kind of more in the announcer role now. Now at this day and age, but he came out and said, "said Yeah, when I was with the Cleveland Browns, Hugh Jackson was obviously the coach there, and Hugh Jackson. I mean, when I saw him as the coach of the Cleveland Browns, it, it was an ugly scene there. I mean, I think they went zero and sixteen one year. It was a bad just it was just a bad run ship and you know obviously there's more things that go in place than just the coach there but you know obviously was kind of an ugly scene uh you know rg3 ended up saying that hugh jackson was put in a similar situation that i from what from what i was seeing he could have been offered somewhere close to fifty thousand dollars so if there is a possible you know cheating scandal like this going around the league and I find I find it amazing that the NFL spent basically their entire budget and then some, you know, investigating a couple deflated footballs. But then when it comes to teams, you know, actually throwing away games and and, you know, you know, basically tarnishing the reputation of the game of football, especially with, you know, how much we're throwing gambling apps at, and certain things at the game. Now, if that the fact that they were able to brush that off so lightly, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I mean, here's the thing that I you know always wonder is without any evidence, how can you prove? You know, you can prove a ball's deflated. I, I can pick up a ball, shove a pump in it, check the PSI, and go, okay, this is not, you know, what it's supposed to be. And I can scientifically calculate, okay, even with the weather, it should have been this, it should have been that, blah, blah, blah. How can I prove with no evidence that it, I, you know, somebody offered somebody money to throw games? Well, I, 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 I can tell you how, you, I mean, at least, or, or at least try to do it. You do what you did in Deflategate and you can get these guys cell phones. I know Tom Brady and Bill Belichick kind of threw theirs out of a, out of a 10 story apartment building, but listen, I, I don't, I think Steven Ross is going to be a little more careful with his, unlike Bill Belichick, you know, texting this thing to Flores. I'll get with, I'll get on that in just a second, but obviously I, I, I would, I would raid these guys' phones. I'd, I'd try to see what I try to see if there are any text messages incriminating these guys. Cause listen, like, in terms of people betting money and doing things like that, you you're possibly swindling people out of millions and millions of dollars. If, if this is found to be true. Now, I don't know anyone just hammering the dolphins in their, you know, in their betting polls, but just Vegas in general and different things like that. It, it's detrimental. So I think you do need to actually really look at this because th this could be huge. No, I, I mean, I agree. It could be huge. I just, if it was one of those conversations that happened behind a closed door, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing really to go off of. I mean, again, the footballs, they knew they checked the PSI before they went out at halftime because it's just standard protocol. So they had all the numbers. They were able to crack all the numbers for deflate. Gate, give you the ideal exact. gas lodge still will stand by it to this day. It's science. Yes, correct. It was science. I'm an Dolphins fan. That was science. But they, they had the numbers and the science to give you an exact ABC, XYZ. Yeah. It all checks out. Here, the situation is as if they read their phones, there's nothing there. Which, if you're dumb enough to offer somebody $100,000 to throw games, I hope you're not dumb enough to do it for your personal self. Exactly. No, I mean, it's it it's it's real. It would be really dumb if you kept that, if you ended up having those messages still on your phone. But like, like, like we just saw with Coach Bill Belichick, you know, greatest coach of all time, can definitely still make a blunder, uh, you know, and, and has definitely shown definitely shows his age with, uh, you know, obviously breaking this whole thing up with uh, with Brian Flores. Obviously, you know, the, the way this whole thing started was Bill Belichick sent a faulty text. And uh, after Flores was fired, he went around doing kind of interview circuits, I guess, even with him still suing the league. I guess there's still interest um, from the Houston Texans in hiring him. So. Uh, frankly, I like what Brian Flores brings to the table. I think that the Texans definitely need some order, definitely need some order in the court. And I think that I think that Flores could definitely bring that. But, uh, you know, obviously this all started when uh, Flores, you know, was going to be interviewing for the Giants head coaching job. Uh, like, I think I believe it was last Thursday or before, you know, the Thursday before Brian Dable was named as the head coach of the Giants. And basically Bill Belichick ends up texting Brian Flores and, and says, Hey man, congrats on the job. And he's like, he's like, what did you hear something? I didn't because Brian Flores knows Bill Belichick has, you know, the inside scoop on things, on, on things. He, you know, 
you know, again, he, while he may show his age, he has plenty of connections and can definitely tell something like that. So he, he ends up, Brian Flores is like, is like, Oh, do you like, do you know something I don't? And, you know, handed Bill Belichick's like, what do you mean? Like the giants, like you're going to be playing for, you're going to be the coach of the giants. And he's like, he's like, man, I sure hope so coach. And he, and he ends up going, Oh yeah, they're going to be naming you. And Brian Flores is like, coach, I haven't even interviewed yet. Are you talking about me or Brian Dable? And literally Bill just says, Oh shoot! I effed this up. Sorry, B- sorry, BB. And I and I think he said, "Oh my bad." They're naming Dable, and I, I and I love the the text exchange where Brian Flores just goes, "Thanks, Bill." <laughs> like just classic. Thanks, Bill. All right, yeah, appreciate it. It's like it's like okay, Grandpa. Like we get it. Like we <laughs> we, we, we know you butt dialed me. <laughs> well, I saw the text messages, and yeah, he asked. He's like, "Coach, Joe, you're texting. Like, are you texting Brian Flores? Are you texting Brian Dable?" And he's like, "Oh." Oops. <laughs> I mean, I mean, have, have you ever gotten like that text, that text from, from like a, from like an old aunt or something where, or, or even a phone call where, where you're just like, Oh Jesus. Yeah. No, I don't want to answer. I don't want to pick it up. Nope. No. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I'm just like, Oh my God. And like, like they just like, like, like it's just like a text message that definitely doesn't make enough sense. Or, you know, you have the, you have the, uh, you have like the older relative that gets like their Facebook hacked and, it, and it's just like, like I don't think I want to buy insurance for my aunt today. I'm all good. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. So so I, I just saw that and I was like, you know what, Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time, but he is human and and he definitely shows his age there. So I don't know. You know, maybe maybe Tom Brady's pissed at him because maybe because I saw this on Twitter. Maybe Tom Brady's pissed at Belichick because instead of texting Adam Sandler about his about uh, Brady's retirement, he accidentally texted Adam Schefter. So I don't know. There's always a chance of something like that, but. <sighs> I don't know, man, this is obviously this started the whole thing off. And, you know, basically Brian Flores knew kind of going into his interview with the Giants that it was kind of a farce. And I was telling you before you you wanted some explanation on what on what Dave on what Flores rather is kind of all up in arms about. And it's that when he when he went on his interview with the Giants, it and now now with it kind of looking like a farce, it's kind of a it's pretty much a violation of the Rooney rule. And for what you don't know what the Rooney rule is basically back in 2002, 2003, uh, some prominent blackhead coaches were fired. And basically there was a rule put in place. uh, It's named after Steelers owner, Dan Rooney. And it basically mandates that uh, NFL teams, when they have a, when they have a vacancy, uh, unless they have, unless they have an assistant, uh, in in their in their ranks that has a contract thing that says if there's an opening they'll be elevated to head coach, unless there's something like that they are required and mandated to interview. I think it's a certain minimum of uh, black or minority head coaches for the position to uh, basically just try to get more people involved in the game and move people up in higher positions of power within football. And Flores and like that this is something that's been throughout football through for the past twenty or so years now. Just looking at it and. Basically, the Giants ended up, you know, uh, interviewing Dable and they were basically going around saying, all right, our decision is set. Let's just interview this Flores guy to check the box to say, oh, did we did we abide by the Rooney rule? Yep, we abided by the Rooney rule. All right. All good. And that that I mean, unfortunately, hiring things like this do come out and people are like are, are like, OK, we need to like just take a look at everybody and people have favorites. But the fact that I mean, this is it it, it kind of just proves everything where I, I look at this thing with Brian Flores and it, it's just kind of the ugly truth of it where I'm, I'm just like, I see the NFL and they have all, they obviously have been, you know, for the past two years or so, they've been hammering people with, uh, you know, their diversity campaign. They've been going at people at like this, but really behind closed doors, they're kind of the ones that are, you know, the main culprits of a lot of this stuff. They like to, they kind of like to go after, you know, everyday Americans and try to go after people and say, and say, Oh, you guys are, you guys are the bad guys. You guys are the ones that need to change. When in reality, it's kind of these, you know, big name guys within the league that, you know, kind of are the biggest contributors to this issue. I mean, the question that I have to raise is like, cause we, you know, the Rooney rule, I mean, I didn't even know it existed until you told me about it before we even started the show. But, um, you know, the thing is, is, you know, how do we know Brian Dable wasn't the best candidate for the position? Yeah. Like my, my argument is, is yes, in 2003, that rule makes sense with the predicament that society was in. But nowadays, why can't we just interview the best of the best? Pick who's the best and roll with it. You know, like the Giants, why, why should the Giants be required to interview Brian Flores if they think Brian Dable is going to be their answer? You know, like it, I understand why the Rooney rule existed. But in this situation, I have to almost say I want to side with the Giants because at that point they were interviewing who they thought was best for the job and were just trying to check a box, but that box shouldn't exist anymore. 
It's yeah. like, that's an high ceiling. Well, here's the thing though. I wouldn't, I, here's the thing. And I, I do agree with you that you should, you know, you should hire the best person for the job, regardless of, you know, race, creed, whoever you love. I don't care any about any of that stuff when it comes to hiring the best person for a job. hundred percent agree with you. The, the thing that's just very shady about it is that they were going around telling sources or at least informing Bill Belichick of this stuff before, you know, you know, before even Flores was able to do his interview. So if, you know, obviously in the world where if the Rooney rule didn't exist, they probably would just say to Flores, Hey, we're going to name this guy and go with it. What the shady part about it is obviously that they were going around saying to people, Oh yeah, we're hiring this guy. We're hiring this guy. And you know, just interviewing Flores was basically just checking a box. That's kind of the really shady thing about the whole thing. If you want to go out and you thought Brian Dable was the best guy, God bless you. I mean, honestly, uh, from what I've heard about, from what I've heard from Buffalo and obviously from his time in New England, Brian Dable is a great head coach. I think he's going to go. I think he's going to do good things with the New York Giants. He he seems like a very nice guy. I, I He seems to be handling the New York media very well. So obviously, God bless him in New York. But when you're going around telling sources and you're telling people, basically just boasting to Bill Belichick and saying, saying, oh, yeah, we got our guy. We got our guy. What are you doing? I mean, you're you're incriminating yourself in the most blatant way possible. And the fact that you thought it was going to stay private in, in this way is it's ridiculous. So that that's the part for me. Again, if you if the Giants think that if the Giants interviewed Flores and Dable and thought he was the best guy that they could say, all right, we're, we're going to go with Brian Dable. But when you're still bringing a guy in, and I understand why they're bringing him in, it's unfortunately to it's unfortunately to check this box, uh, pretty much. But when the Giants are are, are allegedly bring, are allegedly bringing him in to you know do this, and Flores kind of knows that that this is happening, that's the thing that's really crappy about this whole situation. It's really disgusting. Oh, I 100% agree that it's not fair to Flores because Flores sitting there thinking he's got a fair shot. Well, no, 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 that's the thing. Flores went in not knowing he didn't have a fair shot because Belichick texted him before his interview. At that point, yeah. But I'm saying before the text, he thought he had a fair shot at this, you know, this job. But my, my, my point is, is that, you know, they were only doing it to check a box. But clearly, Brian Dable was the answer. So why? What I'm saying is, why did the Giants even have to interview Brian Flores? If they never, from the beginning, thought Brian Flores was the answer to their problem. Why did he have to be? That's why like, I'm asking, why does the Rooney rule have to exist in the situation we're in now? Yeah, well, I mean, regardless of the Rooney rule existing, you still did promise this guy an interview. He still was planning to fly out and see you. So regardless of the Rooney rule existing, you're still promising this guy, hey, we're going to give you a fair shot. So if the Giants had, I mean, the Giants could have easily, you know, tried to make a pitch to Brian Flores and, and say like, and, you know, try to say something, but the problem is again if you even if you were to try to check a box and you had to get this guy out here you could have still said to, you could have still said to Brian Flores hey this doesn't look like it's going to be like we 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 like this other guy what could you bring to the table and i know it's unfortunate but when you have a guy that you're basically already you know un, is you're already booking to bring him out here that's that's kind of where it 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 kind of goes wrong no, yeah, that's that's the part I agree with. I agree that it's crappy what the Giants did. I agree that at that point they should have to give Flores a fair. Like when you tell a guy you're going to get an interview, the only fair thing to do is to give him an interview and do it open-mindedly too. Correct. I'm just talking about overall with this whole rule in general. Why does it even exist? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying it's fair what they did. No, if Flores, if Flores is offered an interview, Flores is offered an interview. He should have a chance, just like they will have a chance. What I'm saying is if they didn't want Flores to begin with, they shouldn't have to offer Flores an interview from the end. That, but because of this rule, they have to check that box. And then it causes situations like this where they're not even interested. They admitted they weren't interested when they you know, were out and about saying Dable was the answer before Flores even had a chance. So, you know, is it dumb of them for what they did? Yes. Is it 100%. wrong of them for what they did? Yes. But the reason that anyone's even in this predicament is for a rule that will cause like the Rooney rule will cause, I feel more situations like this it, than it, necessarily. It, well, I, ironically it has since the Rooney rule has been put in place. There are a lot, there are actually less black head coaches in the league today than when it was put in place, which, it, which is the craziest thing. Cause it was supposed to literally do the opposite of that, but instead it has, you know, been, I, I believe the only active black head coach still in the league right now, obviously you got, there are guys that have the potential to get hired, but I think the only one left right now is Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's just like you have, you made this rule, but now NFL teams look at these coaches and go, okay, I can use him to check a box. I can use him to check a box. You know how many teams have probably used these guys to check boxes? Yeah. I, I, this I is think just the uh, first time. I think Marvin. 
I think Marvin Lewis, I, I, I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch the video, but Marvin Lewis was on ESPN and I think he was on first take. And he, and he said that he was from what I could see from the title, he was put in a very similar, I guess he said he, he thought he was in a very similar situation with the Carolina Panthers. Now, I don't know if he found out about something, but I forget who they ended up going with, but I, it was in like the early 2000s, I think back in 2002, uh, Harris was going for an interview. Obviously he ended up getting, to, obviously he ended up going to the Cincinnati Bengals. I think he coached there for like, you know, 13, 15 years possibly. So he was able to get a long coaching career elsewhere, but uh, you know, he was talking about this. So there are many, you know, poor implications to where this can obviously turn up. No. And that's why I understand why the Rooney rule was created, especially in the time it was created, but now it's just causing more issues than itself because, again, this is just one that's come to light because Bill Belichick, old grandpa over there, doesn't know how to work his phone properly. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm sure this happens all the time where teams are out there, they're going for a coach, and they're going to go, okay, we're going to bring these two in just so we can check a box, but we already know we're going with either him or him. You know, just let the teams pick who's best, especially now as teams are going to get younger management as these older guys, hopefully eventually start to sell off the teams and realize they're too old to do what they're doing. As you know, younger people come into management, this whole racial justice thing won't be an issue. And as they've already said, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, the league's been huge right now in, you know, you know, ending um, racial issues and you know, justice for everyone. So I think if the owners have that same mindset that they're putting out to the fans, then the Rooney rule shouldn't have to exist because they should just be interviewing everyone based off of their portfolio not off of their skin color. Mm. I, I mean, I, I mean, I agree with you, Sean. I, I, I do agree with you. But I mean, I, again, too, l- let me just say when it comes to, you know, obviously I like to talk about the sports, you know, topics on this show. So obviously on the very more complex social issues of the side, uh, let me just say it's above my pay grade. And what I be, what I mean oh, yeah. when I say what I mean when I say it's above my pay grade is I don't get paid at all to do this show. So uh, obviously uh, talk to any, you know, when it comes to people, on that talk to, you know, talk to more people with probably more expertise than myself. So I'm not claiming that I know more th- that I know anything more than anyone else, but you know, that that's my two cents on, on the whole issue with the giants. Uh, you mentioned teams being put up for sale though, which I found to be interesting. One team that actually d- uh, did just get, that did just get put up for sale. And this also involved in this Brian Flores controversy is the Denver Broncos. So uh, they're, they're kind of the, there are a couple other teams that are sprinkled throughout this whole uh, deal with Flores, but the Denver Broncos were the last big team to be named. And, you know, obviously like this whole thing with Flores is so huge. The fact that, you know, three separate teams are getting dragged for this is crazy. So this all with the, the Broncos situation is also getting looked at, uh, you know, obviously everyone that's being accused of stuff has come out and said, this isn't true. There's, there's reasons for certain things, but Flores basically alleges that he went before he ended up getting the dolphins job. He interviewed with the Denver Broncos to see if, to see about them for a possible position. And apparently when he went out to the interview, uh, John Elway, and I think they've named the sales, the representative, but I just don't have it on me at the, on the time, but another Denver rep- representative went with them to sit down with Flores and see, you know, what a, if, to see if he was interested. And first of all, they were late to the meeting. They, I think they, sh- I think according to Flores, they showed up like an hour late. Uh, they, when they showed up, apparently Elway looked extremely disheveled and, you know, for, just looked extremely just out of it. And according to Flores, he looked like he had been drinking heavily the night before. So obviously that's a big, and, and then also too, it seemed like they had little to no interest in him, which from someone drinking heavily the night before that probably, that usually gives that type of an implication. So uh, you know, Elway's come out since, and he ended up saying he ended up saying him looking like that was due to a, I think, was due to a delayed flight. So there were certain things there, but I, I don't know that that was pretty damning too. I mean, wh- what do you think about that? Going to an interview and and the guy that's doing the thing shows up, you know, looking like crap. I mean, uh, for me, first off, I mean, it's just if I was in an interview and the person showed up and they looked like they were just drunk or like, you know, hungover, or just weren't put together, didn't care, showed up an hour late. It would look like they're not interested. And as Brian Flores is trying to get a head coaching job. Why, you know, why, why interview the guy if you're just going to show up and not be interested? Like, I feel like this is one situation where I feel for Brian Flores. This is no, not, I feel for Brian Flores with the whole situation. I think, I think he, yeah. I think it's a bunch of BS. If again, obviously legally, legally speaking, you have to go under the assumption that, under the assumption that nothing is certain, but basically just have to, you know, go. And, but yeah, it, it I, I feel like, you know, Flores obviously has gotten screwed. I mean, the question 100%. that I, the question that I ask in this, is this another Rooney? Like, is this a similar situation where they were just interviewing to check a box? Cause that's how it seems. It that's seems like I, you just showed up just to yeah, show up. That's what I wonder. But 
at, at this point, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I'm not advocating for people trying to check boxes with the Rooney rule, but if they were to do this, why, what's going to stop them from just hiring from, from just interviewing like some random guy in their office? Why, why does, why does it need to lead them bringing in an outside guy to do this? That may be a part of the Rooney rule where you do have to actually interview uh, outside guys, but I, I don't know. It's just, it, it just really, you know, it just really reflects poorly on, uh, on Elway and those guys. So I don't know. I, again, everything needs to get settled out. Uh, they'll probably do that in the courts. So I, I can't speak on that. But the other big thing about, about Flores is that uh, this is apparently this is a class action lawsuit. So there are other guys that are kind of that might join on to this. Uh, Hugh Jackson might be one of those guys. I really don't know. But from what I've heard, there are other coaches and players that whether it be, uh, you know, the similar hiring practices or whether it be potentially throwing games, apparently, according to Flores' lawyers, uh, people have reached out claiming that both have been, you know, but both situations have happened to other people. So uh, it could be a very interesting situation in the NFL. If things really start to kind of boil over, I'm going to be interested to see how the NFL, how the NFL handles this. Are they going to actually try to own up to their mistakes or are they going to do what the NFL typically does and basically just, you know, blame other people. And then also kind of just try to push this thing under the rug. Like they did with, you know, obviously Ray Rice and what they did with Greg Hardy and how they were able to just get all these and basically how they were able just to, you know, throw these controversies by the wayside. I feel like, I feel like just knowing the NFL and knowing the league that it's in, I, I have my ideas. I mean, I, I definitely think that the NFL has to do something about it. I mean, Brian Flores has brought up three stories. One with the Dolphins, which is not, you know, it's its own problem. But two of the stories seem to be very similar. Guy goes out for a head coaching job, and they're either not interested, or they've already made a decision before he's already shown up. How many other coaches have been put in this situation? Probably way more than we think. I've been put in a predicament where it's, oh, you know, we're going to interview him just to check the box. We're going to interview him just to check how many coaches have been put through this, which isn't fair. It is just not fair at all. But for the Denver Broncos to show up, like they don't care. And then for the Giants to make a decision before Brian Flores has even had a fair shot. I mean, this is all within what, three years, four years? Pretty much, yeah. That this all happened. I mean, four years, two, four years, and two teams have used Brian Flores to just say, yep, check the box. Yep. I, I mean, it, it's. I, I, it's really just, I, I don't want to swear about, I don't want to swear on the show right now. It's just not my, I mean, I could, but whatever. I, it's just a really, you know, really screwy situation. I, I, I really do feel for Brian Flores. Cause you know, you could make, there could be certain guys where if Brian Flores was, you know, if, if I didn't think he did really the best job with, with the Miami dolphins and and, you know, he didn't have like as good of a run there as he did. I, I could, I would be, I would probably be the first guy to come out and, and just say, I, I, I think that Brian Flores is just being a disgruntled coach right now. I think that he's just trying to, I think that he might just be trying to make his case heard. I, I'd, I'd be probably one of those guys to, to say, oh, he's, you know, he's just trying to, you know, he's trying to say, oh, the league doesn't want me because of this. But listen, Brian Flores is a very good head coach, in my opinion. I think he's one of the, I think he's a very good young head coach too, and could really have an impact in, you know, for the next possible 20 years in the league, 20, 30 years. I think he, I think he could be one of those guys. I think he should get another shot like that. And I hope the Houston Texans do end up biting on him and, uh, and getting him as uh, as and getting him as a coach. I think he could do really good things there. If they don't, I'd love for Bill Belichick to turn around and, and get him back as our defensive coordinator. Cause let's just be frank. Our, the Patriots defense has some good pieces, but we're old, we're slow and we need to get some fast guys on this defense. So listen, if if Brian Flores needs anywhere to go and no one is and no one is willing to pick him up, he is more than welcome back in New England, hundred percent. Oh, he! I mean, he definitely deserves another. And he'd get he a warm and he'd get a warm welcome back in New England. I can tell you that because when he left when he left after Super Bowl Fifty Three, uh, we we sore we were sorely missing him uh, when we faced him and you know when we faced him you know later on down the line. No, I mean he definitely deserves a second chance, and I just think it's not fair to guys like him or to anyone else who's been put into a situation like this. I and mean, if you're going out for a job, it's like any other job. Yeah. They shouldn't be interviewing you just to check the box. They should be interviewing you in all consideration, in all seriousness. And the only way I can see the NFL's solution to this, and it's kind of been something I've been hinting at since we started, like not hinting at, but mentioning since we started talking about the whole Denver Broncos situation with the Rooney rule, is they need to either – a, get rid of the Rooney Rule and just see what happens. Or revise it in some way. Yeah. Or revise it in some way so that it's not – because it's just hurting 
more people outside of the whole, because again, just like you were saying about yourself, I'm not an expert in the whole social justice thing going on right now. Yeah. Or am I, nor am I claiming to be. So yeah. No, I'm I'm not. But it's like, as far as the league goes, if they were to get rid of the Rooney rule, just see what happens. Or like you said, revise it. Because right now it's just hurting minority coaches. And it's not, you know, I want to see more minority coaches. I don't want to just see one. There's one, like you said, white, just the one in Pittsburgh. It's Tomlin, yeah. It's Tomlin. Yeah. I mean, I, want the, more. I mean, listen, I think rather than have a blanket mandate of, of saying, oh, yeah, you need to check this box, you should be instead trying to, you know, put these guys in situations to where they can actually showcase their talents. I mean, there are plenty, there are plenty of guys that could actually go out there and, you know, do their thing. But when you're, I don't know. It, it, it's just like, I mean, like, I mean, you think of Eric Bieniemy and, you know, KC, I mean, there are certain guys that could really get a shot if you were to, you know, put them out there and allow them to really showcase their skills. He's one of those guys. So I think that you, you need to try to get more people in coordinator positions because coor- the coordinator to coach pipeline is something that is very prominent in the NFL. So I think the more, I think you, we need to, we need to start really building more of a, you know, kind of a pipeline for it, try to get more people you know, on that track rather than just, you know, appointing per maybe appointing a person that doesn't have the experience yet, get people experience, do things like that. That's how you, you know, build this and really start to, and really start to make things happen. That, that's how you, yeah, that's I, how you got to do it. I agree. But it's also, I mean, Brian Flores showed, he knows what he's doing. He yes. did it in Miami. He showed it and people are still just using it to check him off. He went into Denver he hadn't shown himself really yet. He did a little bit in New England. They used him to check a box. He said, fine, I'll go to Miami. I'll show myself. He showed himself. And here we are three or four years later after he has proven himself to be a fantastic head coach, proven that he can turn franchises around, and people are still just using him to check a box. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I don't like the situation with it. Hopefully he does get a shot. I, from what I've heard with the Texans, there is some good stuff happening there. So maybe he does get a shot with them. I don't, that's going to be a pretty volatile situation for him to walk into though. And I do wonder how is the league, how are teams going to approach him with him, you know, suing the league? I'm not, you know, obviously teams that are teams that have, you know, gone out, teams that he is now suing obviously won't be trying to really you know get on his line anytime soon but for but for teams like the Texans I feel like one of the questions they're going to ask is hey you know no offense but with an ongoing lawsuit how is this going to affect your time with the team that's something that's going to be just obviously present and you know if Flores is still interested in coaching which I assume he is from what from everything I've heard he's still interested in coaching so if he goes out there and says yeah man I still I I will dedicate myself to this team I'm gonna I'm gonna have this lawsuit thing going but when it comes to winning football games you, you saw what I said about Stephen Ross that's what I'm about so I think I think he has a really good shot to do some stuff with them if if they were to give him a shot. Obviously, the Vikings' job just got taken, but we're gonna have to see what happens there. Obviously, this Brian Flores thing was it's a ton to talk about. That's why I wanted to get uh you know a, an episode about it just because of how big it really is. Uh, you know I I don't know before we go I I did have some uh I, I did have something planned for this episode today another topic but I talked about it in my last episode but with Sean I might as well ask him. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, one of the another big change that we saw recently over the past couple of days is that the formerly known as the Washington football team uh, just announced that they have a new name. They are now going to be known as the Washington Commanders. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant on this name. It sounds a little bit JV for me personally. As of right now, it's something that could grow. But, Sean, what do you think about the name? First thing I thought of was Arena Football League. Like you said, JV. It, it doesn't strike me as an NFL team name. It strikes me as like that Arena Football League team coming out or um, whatever that league was they just had that was on, um, I think it was in the summer, where they played like indoor games. Like it strikes me as one of those like knockoff teams, like oh, the Washington or like out of a movie, you know, the Commanders. Like it doesn't really strike me as an NFL football team name. But, you know, it's an interesting choice. I'm curious to see how they market it, how they brand it. I mean, I think right now just speculating a singular name, it's hard to be like, oh, yeah, that's good, that's bad. Because I'm sure there's people who sat there and said the name Dolphins or the name Patriots is stupid. But, yeah, I mean, again, it is all relativity, and it is the newest name in the National Football League. But for me, I think it's just going to take some – for me, it's just going to be more about, you know, really, you know, trying to get a – it's going to take some getting used to for me just because, I mean, you know, for – 
my entire life, I've known 32 football teams. I've known 32 names of those football teams. And obviously one has changed more. One has changed multiple times within the past couple of years for various reasons. But now that, now that we have a new football team, it's just like, all right, what is this going to look like? Is the, is football going to be, you know, alive again in DC? Are you going to see people wearing stuff again? So that's something that's going to be up in the air. I don't know what that's going to really end up looking like, but it, it, it's been a crazy, it's been a crazy couple, uh, couple hours. It's been a crazy week for football. I knew as soon as this week started off, I was definitely going to be doing two NFL shows. So uh, sorry for anyone who, you know, want an athlete interview this week. Uh, I have some stuff planned though. So there is some great stuff there, but Sean, unfortunately, man, we are now down to the wire, which means that we're going to do a little wrap through of what we talked about this episode. It should be pretty easy because we really only had one really main topic and we'll send you guys off into the weekend. So obviously welcomed back in good friend, resident Dolphins fan and local bum, Sean Howe to the show. Obviously we were glad to have you on, man. I got to I got to get you. I got to get you to either Bryant or, you know, I got to come to Bridgewater, do what or do whatever and get you in person. I got to got to figure something out there. So uh, however we can make that work, got to do something there. Don't know how our spring breaks work, but hey, we'll make something work. Uh, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll make something happen, but. I got to talk with Sean, who was obviously massive, massive uh, Miami fan, was able to talk to him about the whole Brian Flores situation, about him suing the NFL, the Dolphins, the Broncos and the Giants over discrimination over uh, discriminatory, discriminatory, discriminatory hiring practices. My apologies. And, you know, we were able to talk about all the insane stuff going on there from the Dolphins possibly throwing games to Bill Belichick having, you know, you know, some fat thumbs and you know, accidentally sending some, some stupid text messages, not real. It's clear that he needs to definitely have his phone updated and include the last names of guys in his contact list. Cause he, I mean, he probably just has probably five Brian's in his contact list. And the fact that I'm not one of them is kind of sad. So I, I, I don't know. I I'd love to see my name on that contact list, but uh, one, one can dream. So we talked about all the consequences there. And we also talked about the situation in Denver with, uh, you know, John Elway and a representative reportedly showing up basically just completely just drunk and out of it to an interview with him. So very serious stuff, but was able to, we were able to have uh we were able to keep it pretty nice and lighthearted on the show. Obviously for Brian Flores, we hope he gets a head coaching job somewhere. So he's a very good head coach. I, I, I think that he's a great head coach in the league. And, you know, again, in my opinion is probably the best of the Bill Belichick coaching tree. I think he should get a job somewhere. But obviously, after that, we talked about the whole deal with the Washington Commanders and our thoughts and the names. I gave I gave a more in depth look at that name at that at their name change last night with uh, with my show with uh, quarterback Zevi Eckhouse and my co-host Tyler Stringfellow. If you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you go do that now. But if you're not following down the wire, make sure you guys go do that. We're available everywhere you guys can find podcasts, whether that be from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the video stream is obviously on YouTube. Uh, and if you want any updates regarding the show, you can find us on our Instagram at down dot to the wire on Instagram again at down dot to the wire on the IG. We're going to be starting some stuff up on Twitter, um, getting more involved with TikTok. Uh, you know, go check out Colorcast. Ton of pla- ton of places to go reach us. We highly recommend you do that. Sean, anything you want to say before you head out? No, I think you uh, pretty much covered it all. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to have you on, man. I hope to get you on with some more football news. Obviously, we're going to be entering into the dark days of the uh, NFL offseason in a couple weeks. And, you know, with the impending MLB lockout, I said this, I, I don't know when the season's going to start. Maybe it's hopefully it starts on time. And, you know, maybe it's only like, you know, five, six weeks without, you know, any without my two favorite without one of my two favorite main sports. But maybe it's a little bit longer and I got to get a little creative. So obviously I love having Sean on the show. He's a great guy to get on for this kind of stuff. But unfortunately we are now uh, kind of wrapping up towards the end of it. We hope you guys have a great weekend. And from down to the wire, I'm Brian Costa. And I'm Sean Howe. And we hope you guys have a great weekend. Take care, have a good one and peace out.